0: Thank you, Pastor, for the blessed privilege and opportunity you've given me to bring the Word of God this morning. We thank the Lord for allowing us to be back to uh, this place. It's always a blessing to be here. Uh, We count this church as uh, one of our homes away from home. We we have made some friends here over the years, and of course, uh, like Pastor mentioned, our daughter, son-in-law, and uh, our grandson, uh, I'm a proud grandfather, of course, a Titus, I love him dearly. I said to my wife, I've got one ma- mission for the few days that I'm here in Canada. My mission is to spoil that kid so that uh, Tim and Lydia can go back to parenting after I leave. You know. <laughs> and I think it's working. And uh, my daughter asked me a while ago if I, were go- if, I will- if I will ever come to the point where I, I would spank my own grandchild. I said, no, never. That's your job. <laughs> it's my job to spoil him. But I praise the Lord for allowing us to be here safely on Friday. And uh, we left Paraguay. It was We were up in the high 30s as far as, uh, as far as the temperature was concerned, about 95% humidity. And we landed in Vancouver, and it's like uh, 6 degrees, 5 degrees, something like that. No humidity. It's cold. And I said, this is climate change. <laughs> I'm experiencing it firsthand, but anyways, uh, without being political, you know what I mean. Anyways, uh, Pastor asked me to give you a little update as to the work in Paraguay. Uh, we left here in 2018, I think that was the last time we were here, and since then it was uh, you know, work, work, work every day as far as uh, building, as far as uh, trying to reach the people in our communities concerned. So the Lord has blessed, Uh, we now have our auditorium basically, and um, our Sunday school building is all complete. We now have a a functional kitchen, a proper kitchen, and uh, a nursery, all with air conditioning. So um, even though we are suffering from 40 degrees sometimes at summertime, we now have a place where we could just have, you know, our plans and activities that are planned uh, come to fruition. Uh, normally, we would cancel our, our activities when the rain would come or when it's too hot. But praise the Lord, God has been so good. And uh, uh, one thing I have um, come to, to, real, to realize is that God that does honor our faith. Yes. God honors it. Uh, our, God is pleased when we, when we trust in Him and when we just continue to go forward with, without even any slightest idea as to how things would come together. But by just simply trusting and believing that God would honor His promises, He actually honors that. And uh, the Bible says that without faith, it is impossible to please God. But with faith, even just the size of a mustard seed, the Bible says, God is honored by that. So I praise the Lord for allowing us to have seen more baptisms last year. We have seen uh, our young people uh, come closer to the Lord through certain circumstances You know, it's just amazing how the Lord sometimes allows trials into the lives of our people just to purge and purify us. And we've been pastoring, we've been counseling, we've been helping the marriages in our church. It's not easy. Paraguay is a country that has very low morality as a a society. And so to try and raise a new generation of young people that have biblical values and, and morals and principles is a challenge indeed. So uh, the young people that are growing up in this church, I encourage you not to cast aside the principles you're being, you're being taught and preached to, uh, pre- that, are, that are being preached unto you because uh, you actually have a distinct privilege of being able to grow in a society, in, among families that have a Bible foundation as their uh, upbringing. So I praise the Lord that uh, God is using us in Paraguay. We pray for continued presence over there. We don't know how long God would have us there, but uh, we have a vision. Uh, like your, your church has a 2020 vision. We also have as our theme for the year 2020, uh, our 2020 vision. A greater vision for a greater mission. I believe God, God wants us to start this year having missions conferences and we are hoping to uh, have our first missions conference in June or July of this year. So if anybody has uh, a spare $2,000 that they don't know what to do with, we encourage you to take a trip to Paraguay and help us launch our first missions conference. Uh, we cannot promise you the Hilton, the, the Hilton or uh, the Sheraton Hotel for your accommodation. But we'll make sure you'll have a nice accommodation and some uh, traditional Paraguayan food. So we encourage you to come along help us launch our First Missions Conference. Uh, The Lord has been good to us in providing our facilities. Now we're trying to encourage our people to shift our focus from the physical building to actually working on the Lord's field even more effectively. And not just reaching out to our community, but also to try and reach out to the whole country of Paraguay. Because uh, it's just a a small country, but even less in terms of percentage are the true believers in the Lord Jesus Christ. We need gospel, gospel preachers. We need churches. And so we need to be proactive in reaching out to the lost of our uh, in that country. And so to uh, go along with that, we're also praying that God would help us in the future. If not this year, the next year, uh, start a Bible college. And that's part of the reason we have buildings built. So again, we're praying that God would send forth laborers to help us with that as well. Uh, we're praying for a Christian school to start sometime in the future, and then also we're praying that God would help us to start a radio broad- broadcast so that we could just broadcast the gospel 24 hours a day, every day. Uh, That is still a a medium of communication that many Paraguayans use. And many of them would not come to your church um, or the congregation, but many of them would listen to to a radio broadcast of the gospel. And we found that that is uh, still a very successful, very effective tool in reaching South Americans, the radio. So pray that those things would come to fruition as the Lord would lead, of course. Now, please take your Bibles. We'll try and be consistent with or to be conscious with our time. I have heard one pastor say one time that he is being conscious of the time. He just wasn't going to be preaching short, but he was conscious of the time. (laughs) And I hope that being conscious of the time, we can be out of here accordingly. And uh, I heard also... One pastor saying, If you are an inv- invited guest to our church, he says, There's an 11th commandment here. He says, Preach short and you'll be invited again. <laughs> so I'll be aware of that as well. John chapter 4, of course, we have read basically the, the last part of the chapter. And uh, as you're turning to John chapter 4, again, I just wanted to just share with you the simple title of this message. This morning, and it's simple truths about missions. When uh, Pastor Tim informed me that uh, Pastor White would have me come and preach this morning, he mentioned to me that uh, it was Pastor's desire that I would preach uh, on missions and soul winning. And immediately, the Lord, through his Holy Spirit, impressed upon me this passage, this fourth chapter of John. Here we see that the Lord Jesus Christ being our master teacher demonstrates to us what being a soul winner is all about. We find here, if you like, a master class in soul winning. And so this morning I'd like to simply just uh, start by saying that as the Lord is the greatest soul winner, we see his example here of reaching out to lost people from different walks of life. And in particular, we find here he was reaching out to a Samaritan woman. And when we talk about three simple truths about missions, the first thing we talk about is that missions reveals to us the heart of the Savior. Missions reveals to us, us, rather, the heart of the Savior. And if you look at the text we we have read earlier, we find that the Bible says in verse 34, Jesus is saying, my meat is to do the will of him that sent me and to finish his work. Say not ye, there are yet four months, and it cometh harvest. Behold, he says, I say unto you, lift up your eyes and look in the fields, for they are white already to harvest. And he that reapeth receiveth wages and gathereth fruit unto life eternal, that both he that soweth and he that reapeth may rejoice together. And herein is the saying true, one soweth and another reapeth. I send you to reap that whereon you bestowed new labor. Other men labored, and you are entered into their labors. Let us bow for prayer. Once again, dear Lord, we just thank you for this blessed opportunity that we could come together and open the Bible and just uh, listen to your word. And I pray, Lord, that you would just bless each heart. I ask that you would just convict the soul of those that as yet do not know Christ as their Savior and their Lord. And I pray that today they might come to the saving grace of Jesus Christ. And for us who are believers, I pray that you would help us once again to have our hearts and our attentions refocused. Help us to realize that with all of our wants and needs and all of our preoccupations in this world, there's one thing that's most needful, that is we would spend time with you and that we would make you known to the whole world. I pray you bless this time of preaching. Use me as your instrument and I pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Please have patience with me this morning. I've, this last years been preaching pretty much every Sunday in Spanish. So, try, to try and preach in English, again, purely English, is challenging sometimes. Um, although, recently in our church, we started an English service. Uh, every second Sunday night, we have an English service. That's because we have a Canadian couple that have uh, transferred from Vancouver Island to Paraguay. Uh, They're independent Baptists, born again, baptized, blood-bought, heaven-bound, praise the Lord. And they don't like the wishy-washy kind of Christianity that they have come to observe in their previous church. And that's one of the reasons they said, we want to go to another field where we can just be free to serve the Lord without all the political correctness of this country you know, so on and so forth, but I know they're still praying for Canada, we're praying for Canada, we're praying that the Lord would give more freedom, more liberty to the, to, the, to the worship of our Lord Jesus Christ in this country, but because they are still struggling with Spanish, I decided since also we have uh, an English class on Friday nights, we try and teach the Paraguayans how to speak English, so I said, why don't we just have an English service, so that everybody who wants to learn English can come and listen and our Canadian brethren can also just sit into a service without translation. They can just sing the English hymns and listen to English preaching. I do do most of the preaching there as well, but still, I sometimes struggle because of the, the language change. And then, of course, uh, there are brethren here who are expecting jokes from me this morning, but unfortunately, I have not been in conferences all this time, so no more jokes. I've run out. If I'm going to give you you jokes this morning, my my daughter would shake her head because she would say, I've heard that before. (laughs) So instead of repeats, just like your cable TV, which is all repeats anyways, let's just get into the message. I only have a short time to finish this message with this morning, and I have 10 points. (laughs) I'm just kidding. There's your first joke right there. Anyways, we find that this is a passage that refer, re, re, refers, if you like, to a, a particular event that happened in the life of our Savior during His earthly ministry. And so, in order for us to look at the proper context, we need to go back to the beginning of the chapter. We find that in chapter three, uh, chapter 4, in verse 3, the Bible says, that the Lord left Judea and departed again into Galilee. And He must needs go through Samaria... Then cometh he to a city of Samaria, which is called Sychar, near the parcel of ground that Jacob gave to his son Joseph. And now Jacob's well was there. Jesus, therefore, being wearied with his journey, sat thus on the well, and it was about the sixth hour. Now we see here that the Lord, as the Bible says, needed to go back to Galilee. And, of course, those who are familiar with the passage knew, know that a shortest, the shortest route between Judea and Galilee was through Samaria. And so, logically, we would say, well, that's a reason, that's a good reason why Christ had to go through Samaria. But we know that that wasn't the reason why he was going there. In fact, we know that the Jews avoided that region altogether. Between those two points, You know, of course, geometry would tell you that the shortest distance between two points is a straight line. And that was a straight line. But the Jews would always avoid that region because of their prejudice and their bias against the Samaritans. There was this hate relationship between these two groups of people. They just would not see eye to eye. They simply would not be found. They would rather die and be found dining with a Samaritan. I'm talking about the Jews. There was just this hatred. But we find it's interesting that Christ, on his way back to Galilee, the Bible says he had a purpose in going through that region. By the way, we see him here walking again. Now, although the Bible in this particular passage doesn't mention that Christ was walking, we know that he was walking all the time. He didn't own a donkey He he did not own any kind of mode of transportation. We find that Christ walked on earth as an ordinary man. He lived an ordinary life. But with all of the preoccupations that a man could have about getting to his point of destination as quickly as he could, we find that the Bible says he had to go through Samaria, and not because he was looking for a shortcut, and not because he was trying to get there as quickly as he could, there was a reason he was going through there. In fact, by going through Samaria, he tarried even longer. We find in verse 4, the Bible says, there was a reason he had to go through there. We see him not only walking, we see him willing to fulfill a certain purpose. So when we talk about missions as being the heartbeat of our Lord Jesus Christ, He shows us the example that being involved in missions and being involved in in, in evangelism is something uh, something that a person has to be willing to be a part of. It It is not something that a Christian can just by default become a part of. Because the flesh really doesn't want to get involved in missions. The flesh doesn't want to get, get involved in evangelism. Most Christians are just happy to be saved. Most Christians are happy to just have their eternal insurance or eternal security, eternal assurance. Glad to know that your name is written in the book of life. And as far as you're concerned, most of us, as far as we're concerned, it's you know, the responsibility of the other sinners to get saved as well. It's not my job. Go and tell them. If they want to get saved, the Bible's here. There's somebody who has given them a gospel tract before. It's not my job anymore. It's not my problem anymore. That is the attitude the most. But you find that the Bible says Christ had to go through Samaria. We find that he was, we read, the Bible says in verse 6 that as he was walking through this region, he came to a parcel of ground where Jacob's well was and he sat because he was tired. It reveals to us the humanity of Christ. He lived an ordinary life, but he was willing to participate with the Lord's purpose in his life. And he was, as he was journeying, he was tired, so he sat down and there he was waiting. Like I said, it wasn't a haphazard, it wasn't, if you like, a, a, a coincidental event in his life that he sat at the well, I knew and I believe, I know rather, and I believe that there was a reason he came to this part of the world at this hour of day, at that particular day. The Bible says, now that he, as we talk about missions as being the heartbeat of the Lord, we need to realize also that missions reminds us of the hope of the sinner. Because as he was sitting there, comes a woman, the Bible says, of Samaria. Verse 7. There cometh a woman of Samaria to draw water. Jesus saith unto her, give me to drink. And we see here a proactive approach by the Lord. Many of us are so caught up in our own world, in our day-to-day activities. We have no time to stop and greet a fellow human being, and say, hi, how are you? Where are you from? And perhaps prayerfully ask the Lord, give me a chance to tell him of the love of Christ. Many times we say, you know what, I'm late, I've got to cook dinner. If I'm I'm not done with this dinner, by by this hour, my husband is going to, be upset, and uh, so on and so forth. We have so many things, a thousand and one things we want to do in a small a small space of time, and we have no time for others. We find that Christ, being a Jew, and having this problem with the Samaritans, took the initial steps of approaching this lady, give me to drink. One thing about soul that I have learned uh, over the years is that you always have to find a common ground with people. We find that Christ did not immediately tell her, by the way, you're a sinner. You're hellbound. If you're not going to listen to what I'm going to tell you, you're going to be lost forever, and that's, that's the end of it. No, Christ approached her by trying to get her to a common ground. We all have a common ground with everybody in this country. Be it the flag, be it hockey for Filipinos basketball. Rice, anything. In, in Paraguay, as soon as I open my mouth, they realize I'm not a Paraguayan. When I don't speak, they think I'm Paraguayan. As I, as I begin, I, I begin to speak. They they know I'm I'm not Paraguayan, so they would ask me, "Where are you from? Korea, Japan? You know, they oh, 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 the only Asians they know there are Koreans and Japanese. I'd say Philippines." Where is that? And that gives me a chance to then g- begin to converse, and take time, and show them or tell them the reason I'm there. And the point is, there's always a common ground. I would tell them, you know what? Did you know that the Philippines was colonized by Spain for more years than they did with Mexico? We are more Latinos than you. <laughs> by the way, did you know that, Filipinos? We are more Latinos than the Latinos. (laughs) Spain was, uh, Mexico was under Spain for 300 years, exactly 300 years. We were under Spain for 330-something years. Except they couldn't dominate our language because we are so separated with our dialects, we could not unite under one language. You know, the Ilocanos believe that the language in heaven will be Ilocano. So. <laughs> but they long goes through, no. Dili, <laughs> oy. And then we try and find a common ground with him. This is what the Lord was doing. In verse 7, he found this sinner. And I, I believe that the reason why he was going through Samaria is because he knew that at midday, the sixth hour in the Jewish hour clock is about midday, our time. He wasn't just weary, he wasn't just thirsty, of course he could just have drawn water from the well himself, but he went there on a purpose, and the purpose was to meet with this lady of Samaria. And this reveals to me the grace of God. If there's nothing else about this message that would remain in your heart and mind, remind yourself of this, the Lord could have approached any other person in that village that day. But the Lord wasn't interested in status. The Lord wasn't interested in popularity. He could have gone to the mayor of town and he could have announced his arrival. He could have said, you know what, I'm here, I'm Jesus Christ, and here are my, uh, my associates, my, 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 my subordinates. were here to try and start a crusade. We want to call it the Jesus Save Samaria Crusade. No, he, Christ wasn't interested in anything like that. He was looking for that person who was aching, who was an outcast, who was desperate for someone to show them the love of God. We find here, here's a woman who was drawing water at a well when nobody else was there. Now, according to, to um, tradition, women of that region would go to the well early in the morning before it gets hot. So that they could draw water and bring it to their house. Now, of course, many of you young people would understand what that means. Why would they go to the well to get water? I grew up, I happened to have grown up in a, in, a, in a town where we had no town water. So, my job every day before going to school was to go to the well, two buckets of water with a bamboo pole, carry that, those buckets to the house, back and forth until my jar, we call it Bornai, <laughs> was full of water. Then I went to school. When I got back from school, I had to fill those, that big jar of earthen jar again with water because we had no water at the house. And you had to do it in the cool of the day. And to do it in the middle of the day was ridiculous, because it was hot. The women of that city would go out to the well, apparently, to get water early in the morning. And not only did they go there to, to get water in the morning, but because there was no Facebook when, in those days, they, they used that time also to socialize. That was their, that was their social network right there. They tried to catch up on the latest gossip of who did what. And by the way, when somebody said, oh, by the way, I have this idea, everybody said this. <laughs> I think. But why was this woman being there in the midday? The Bible says to us that it was about the sixth hour, verse 6. It was hot. She was alone. Somehow I believe that this reveals to us that she was an outcast. She avoided everybody else, and it seems to me that everybody else avoided her. And we will know later on, as we look at the passage before us, the reason that might suggest why that is. The Bible says in verse 9, Then saith the woman of Samaria unto him, How is it? That thou being a Jew, askest drink of me, which I am a woman of Samaria? For the Jews have no dealings with the Samaritans. Jesus answered and said unto her, If thou knowest the gift of God, and who is it that saith unto thee, Give me to drink? Thou wouldest have asked of him, and he would have given thee living water. The woman saith unto him, Sir, thou hast nothing to draw with, and the well is deep from whence? Then hast thou that living water? Art thou greater than our father Jacob, which gave us the well, and drank thereof himself, and his children, and his cattle? And Jesus answered and said unto her, Whosoever drinketh of this water shall thirst again. But whosoever drinketh, drinketh of the water I shall give him shall never thirst. But the water that I shall give him shall be in him a well of water springing up into everlasting life. Like I said earlier, Christ approached this woman, bringing her to a common ground where she could understand we're on the same level here. But then the Lord began to show her, we we might be on the same ground right here. We might be on a common ground right here. But I'd like to show you, there's a higher ground. There's another world that you can be a part of. This world might be a place of desperation for you. This might be a place of mystery for you. Maybe people hate you in this world. Maybe people don't want to be uh, with you in this world. But there's a Savior we sang about earlier, who says, I want to be with you. I want you to be with me. And we find that as the Lord began to preach to her the gospel, He began to reveal to her who He really was, the Messiah, the precious Son of God, sent by the Father to a world that is lost. And there are many people in this world who are trying their best. Every Sunday they go to church. Every Sunday they try and behave their best. And every, every week they try and reform their lives. But they know it could not be done. It is not possible. Because when, the reason the Bible tells us that, that that is not possible is because we are all sinners and we fall short of the glory of God. There's no way we could ever attain to that life of perfection and glory and all order and holiness that God wants us to to enjoy on our own. We need the Savior. You need the Savior. If you're here today and you're lost without Christ, there's just no way. And by the way, when I say, do you know the Savior, I'm talking about a day when you realized by the Spirit of God convicting your heart through the preaching of the gospel, not just because a soul winner told you, you have to say this, you have to believe this, but you yourself were convinced you realized for the first time this is true. I am lost. I'm separated from God. I need Him to save me. You were so utterly convinced that you cl- cried out to God and you got saved. Now, unless you have been there, you would not know what we're talking about. We find that as the Lord began to talk to this lady, this outcast, this sinner, alone. Distitute, that the Lord gave her the simple message. They talked about the well, in verses nine to twelve. I don't have time to go through all of these for you, with you. But we find that as they talked about the well, they talked about their heritage. And one of the things that a person does when they're confronted with the gospel is that they would try and defend themselves using their heritage. My father, my grandfather, my great grandfather—they—they were all Christians. We're all Christians. Why? Because we're born to a Christian family. They talked about the water, the resource. Many people would complain about, no, I don't think God is true because look at my life and look at the lives of everybody else in the world. And they're so focused on this life that is here now, they could not see the forest for the trees. Then we find that the Lord began to actually go through those issues and past, all those defenses that she had put up, and they talked about wickedness in verses 16 to 19. God began to really talk about the real issue here. It's not that she's not worshiping. It's not that she doesn't have a heritage that is noteworthy. The fact is in verse 17, the Bible says, woman, The woman answered and said, I have no husband. Jesus said unto her, Thou hast well said, I have no husband. For thou hast had five husbands, and he whom thou thou now hast is not thy husband, and that says thou truly. We find that, or we believe that this is the reason why the women of the city didn't like to spend time with her. Perhaps, like I said, because of her reputation. Isn't it amazing that the grace of God found her when nobody else wanted her? And through her, an entire city was reached. We come to the end of the chapter. We find that as all these things were happening, the Bible says that the disciples went to look for bread to eat. (laughs) Baptist preachers, they're always hungry. And when they came back, they said, Lord, have something to eat. He says, not hungry. Got something else that satisfies me. When we talk about missions, not only is it, revealing to us the heart of the Savior, and not only does it remind us of the hope of the sinner, it also now helps us to realize this is health to the church. It rejuvenates the health or the spiritual health of the church. Why? Because it helps us to refocus, to shift our focus from the temporal to the eternal. The Lord said, you know what? You're concerned about your food. You're concerned about your hunger. There's something else that satisfies my soul. My desire is to do the will of the Father and to finish his work. Many of us, many of us are just so consumed about our jobs, our careers, our house, our car, everything else that's tied with this world that one day we know will burn to ashes. This world is beginning to rumble. Now we don't know when the Lord will return, but you know, from bushfires to flooding to the eruption of volcanoes and everything else that's happening in our world, the political system is up in turmoil. We know it couldn't be long. Christ is coming again. He's going to bring all his people together and take them all home, and then he's going to burn this world with judgment. We know that's going to happen. And yet many of us are tied to this world. Why can't we, as the Lord Jesus Christ said, my meat is to do the will of him that sent me. Realize we have a purpose in being here. And it's not to build the biggest house and have the highest salary. And if God allows you to have that, God bless you. Don't forget the mission field. Allow your life to be an instrument of God. Your purpose and my purpose is to finish, to do his will and to finish his work. He said in verse 35, and with this we will close. Say not ye are yet four months then cometh harvest. Look at the urgency of the matter. It is something we could put off or lay aside. Now I know I'm preaching to the choir here. You are a church that supports missions. You have more money than missionaries. Pastor, that's the first time I've heard that. What a blessing. And as far as this church is concerned, as far as your desire to have your own building is concerned, you know, from experience and from my observations over the years... A church that really focuses on God's business has, this, has their business taken care of by God. You take care of his business, he'll take care of yours. It's not a matter of if, it's a matter of when God will provide you that building. I can guarantee you that. I'm not a prophet, but I know how God works. My God shall supply all your needs. But besides being a church collectively that is involved in missions, why don't you individually desire to look on the fields and say, it is urgent. It's not a matter of preference. It's a matter of urgency. God says, look on the fields, they are white already unto harvest. Many souls are simply waiting for someone to come along and say, God loves you, just like this woman of Samaria. Maybe society has turned their backs on individuals, but God is still looking for them. And He's asking you and I to go and tell them, there is a Savior. His name is Jesus Christ. We find that because of that, the Lord said to His disciples, you know what, I'll send you to go and reap that whereon on you bestowed no labor. This is now we talk about health of the church. Everywhere the gospel is preached to the missionaries you're supporting. The Lord says you are entered into their labors. And the benefit of what they're doing eventually will benefit you in this life and in heaven up there. God bless you and thank you for listening.